feeling pretty pumped about being able to speak about it and just to rub a little bit of the, I'd say the fuzz off the glass because you see, the Bible says um, we don't know. It's like we're looking through a glass darkly. We don't quite get it, but God does. Some of you might be tempted to think in this amazing idea of God that, that it's inaccessible. He's inaccessible. There's no way that we can understand it. So why should we even try? Maybe we're wasting our time. But let me encourage you, throughout time, our experiences, the things we hear and see, all the things that we read in Scripture, they all point to a God who wants to be accessible to us. He does. He wants to draw us into a closer and deeper relationship with him. He wants us to know more about who he is. All we've got to do is participate and be okay with the fact that getting to know someone takes a little bit of time, doesn't it? It takes a little bit of time. So I'm going to look at these three questions in just a little bit of a different order. I'm going to talk first about uh, the idea of the Son of God and Jesus being the Son of God. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about this thing called equality. I'm going to finish up with the question on our focus on the Holy Spirit. And, and yeah, for some time we have been talking a lot about the Holy Spirit. And so hopefully as we go through it today, I'll be able to give you a little bit of context about that focus in a way that might help. I can't guarantee, um, my wife warned me about this, that I won't digress just a little bit because I tend to do that. I apologize ahead of time. Um, but there's a lot to this topic. This topic really could span weeks uh, to talk about this topic. We'll see if we can do just a little bit of it. So let's start with how can Jesus be God's son and be God? Hebrews 1 uh, verses 1 to 9, it says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, at times and in various ways, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory in the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Now, God said about him, I'm skipping over a couple things here just for time, You are my Son, and today I've become your father. God has also said, I will be his father, and he will be my son. Will be. And again, God brings his firstborn into the world. When he did that, God said, let the angels worship him. He said, in speaking of the angels, he makes his angels and his servants a flames of fire. But about the son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever. A scepter of judgment, a story of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. So God the Father calls Jesus God. This is just one of the scriptures among many that establish who Jesus is and his Godhood, if I can describe it that way. But then there's this question of the timeline, you see, because in John 1, verses 1 to 3, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. So now in the Old Testament, every, you guys know who Moses is? Of course you know who Moses is, right? So Moses is the guy who received the commandments from God and shared it with the Israelites at that time. And those commandments are still here and, and that wisdom for us today. But be, Moses at one point was talking to God. And, and God said to Moses, I want you to go and, and tell the Egyptians to to let my people go, and I'm going to do some stuff, and I'm going to help you out, and I'm going to make that happen. And, and Moses said, okay, God, I'll do what you're telling me to do, but God, I'm, I'm not sure what I should tell the Egyptians, because I don't think they have a clue of who you are. And, and God said to Moses, say that I am has sent you. In other words, without beginning, without end, just 
I am. Not limited by time or space, just I am. No pedigree, no degree, no CV, none of that kind of stuff, just I am. So when the scripture says, if we come back to the word, the scripture said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, it's actually saying, the word is I am. Get this, in John 1 verses 14 we read, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Verse 14 is crucial to our understanding of Jesus' sonship. You see, Jesus has always been God. In the Old Testament, we know him as the Word, but in the New Testament, he came as the Son. He became flesh. How'd that all happen? Through Mary, of course. We all know the story of Mary. This miracle that we can't even begin to understand, but somehow God managed to take the, the one who made the universe, the one who created everything, basically who formed us, mankind, decided that he was going to leave timelessness and enter into time and take on the mantle of sun. The same God who set the boundaries of our existence in the book of Job, and you hear about how he set the corners of the world, how he separated the waters from the land, how he managed everything, that same God decided he was going to become a son. So this idea of sonship, very different from the idea of the I am from eternity to eternity, God has a beginning. It's beginning in prophecy first, of course. We heard about it throughout the Old Testament. But also beginning in that he became a son when he was born through Mary into the world. There's a timeline piece to this. So now God, or Jesus, is now God and son. Are you still with me? Are we still connected? It's all about the timing. Let's switch a little bit over to this equal thing because that's an interesting one. So when I was a kid, we used to have all kinds of discussions about who was the toughest, right? It was either going to be Superman or it was going to be Wonder Woman because she's got the lasso and she can do all this neat stuff with it, or it was going to be the Hulk because the madder the Hulk gets, the stronger the Hulk gets. So he's going to be able to beat Superman, right? You guys are wondering what I'm talking about. Did you guys not watch comics, watch cartoons? Don't lie to me now. Uh, so, okay, there we go. Who, who's the toughest? Batman. <laughs> I'm Batman. Okay, so <laughs> we've all got our opinions about that. And the thing is, this is about who's the strongest, who gets to be on top, who's all that. that that's the way that we were thinking. But the concept of equality is a growing as a foundation for us these days. It's growing as a, it is a discussion in our society. People are engaging in important dialogues about things like gender equality, pay equity, equality for the disabled, equal access to health care, racial and cultural equality. All of these things are part of some very serious and very important dialogues that are going on. But it seems that the thing often missing from the discussion is the fact that equality doesn't necessarily mean that everything should be the same. I'm going somewhere with this. Equality means that we are and we should be valued and have equal opportunity no matter what role we play. If this is idea of appreciation, true appreciation for who we are and what we bring to the table, and, and by the way, everybody brings something to the table. Everybody brings something to the table. If this idea can find its way into the discussion, if we can point to each other and say, you're worth it, you deserve it, 
You're something else. You're awesome. You have just as much to offer as I do, even if it's not the same thing in this very same moment. When we can finally recognize and accept the fact that equality is a fact, when it doesn't have to be a struggle, then we can get on with the business of enhancing our unity and growing our ability to do good. And I think the Trinity is our example of that. Genesis 1 paints a picture of a really amazing collaboration. It's the ultimate collaboration. In Genesis 1 verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image. This wasn't something that the Father was doing by himself. And it wasn't like Jesus was sitting over there on the side, the Word was sitting over there on the side saying, you go on, Father, let's see what you can make happen. The Holy Spirit wasn't just hovering over the face of the deep, as, as we read in, in verse 1. That isn't all the Holy Spirit was about. They were there together. Scripture further confirms this idea in John 1.3, this idea of this let us. It says, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made. We read that, that has been made. And that's talking about the Word. And who else is the Word? He's the Son. He's Jesus. They are equal, and they are equally essential. Here's the other thing. They talk about each other. If you look through the entire history of the Bible, God talks about Jesus through prophecy. The Father talks about him. There's this sense that there's this someone coming who's going to transform this world. Jesus talks about the Father. He's constantly talking about the Father. And guess what? The Holy Spirit is always pointing us back to them both. Each part has to play their role. In Philippians 2, verse 8, God the Father says of Jesus, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. That's just an example of the Father talking about the Son. In John chapter 5, verses 19 and onward, Jesus says of the Father, Very truly I tell you, a son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. This is him saying that God the Father is essential. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works. Just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life, what? To whom he will. Jesus chooses. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. The Father is saying that he is essential to everything that's going on in your life, so that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whomever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. You can't truly honor the Father without honoring the Son. If I was to put it a little bit of a different way, if you really want to honor the Father, you have to honor the Son. They go together, they're hand in hand. In John 16, Jesus was talking to his disciples about what was about to happen in the near future, and his disciples were a little bit worried about it, because their entire life for this last short period of time had been wrapped up in Jesus, and he was about to leave. And at the same time, there was persecution going on, and they didn't know what was going to happen if he left, and especially the way that he was telling them that he was going to leave. Didn't leave any good feelings in anyone. But Jesus said, very truly, I say to you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come, but if I go, I will send him to you, And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me. 
Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is essential. He said, the Holy Spirit can't come unless I go. I've got to go. I've got to get out of the way to allow the Holy Spirit to do the work that the Holy Spirit's got to do. Essential. This equality thing, what's happening here is they're all showing that each other is essential to this process. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, starting from verse 12. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak what he hears. He will glorify me. So essentially what Jesus said to the disciples, I got to channel a little bit of Jack Nicholson here. You can't handle the truth. Couldn't help myself. It was there. But it's true. They couldn't. Not from Jesus. Not in that moment because they weren't quite ready for it. And there was more that was needed in them to get them to that space. But Jesus says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you an advocate. Someone who's going to work with you. Work within you and transform you from the inside out to build you into what I want you to be. He needs to be the one to do that. That's the Holy Spirit's task. He communicated exactly how essential the Holy Spirit was. It's okay to recognize the three persons of the Godhead as equal. They do. Why shouldn't we? I'm going to take a slight detour. I said I would take a slight detour, so I'm going to take a detour. In John 10, 14 to 18, Scripture tells us, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep knows me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I've received from my father. There's something powerful in what Jesus says here. First he says, I lay down my life. And then he says, no one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own Accord. I have authority. I have autonomy. I have choice. I have the ability to choose. But then he says in the same breath, this command I receive from my Father. Uh, how are those two things adding up? He's being an example to us here because what Jesus is demonstrating is that submission and equality are not necessarily mutually exclusive. They don't contradict each other. I can do what I want, but I will accept instruction. And it doesn't diminish me because I chose to do it. How many of us chafe at being told what to do by anybody? Or do we get beyond ourselves and willingly enter a place of submission to each other and to God? Jesus is our example. He shows us humility and he shows us sacrifice all at the same time. End the detour. Let's go back to equality. Never in the Godhead are we given the indication that one member lords it over the other one or is diminished in any way or seems to or feels diminished by any of the others. But rather, there's this mutual sense of connection, of appreciation, of purpose, and of love. They call each other to different acts of expression and involvement for our benefit. But as they do it, it also demonstrates their equality. In the Father's words, this is my beloved Son. Listen to him. In Jesus' words, I must so that he, when he's talking about the Holy Spirit. In all of this, you get this sense of an acknowledged essentiality, undergirded by this mutual appreciation for the part that each member plays, a willingness to be in a place of submission, 
and to work towards a shared purpose in unity to accomplish the goals. All of that's empowered by the love of God. It's this overwhelming love that just meshes through all of it. Equality is there, but it's not what God is focused on. He's focused on accomplishing a purpose. He's focused on bringing us closer and closer to him. That's what it's really about. So then, if the Holy Spirit, then what about Jesus and the Father? We've all this talk about the Holy Spirit. And it, Acts, 4 verses, sorry, Acts 1 verses 4 to 5 describes the Holy Spirit in, in, in those verses as a gift that came from Jesus. Jesus said to the disciples, wait, hold on, don't go anywhere. I'm going to send you the Spirit, and he's going to empower you. He's going to get you ready to go, and then you're going to be able to go out and do amazing things. This is Jesus' words about the Holy Spirit. If Jesus is pointing to him, I think it's okay for us to point to him too. Would you agree with me on that? We've built up a view of God the Father based upon our varied understanding over time. And we look at the Old Testament as that word, the Old Testament, the old way. It's, it's passed away, and, and, and maybe the Father's passed away with it, and we've got this understanding of Jesus replacing the old way. But in fact, Jesus is the fulfillment of something that God planned to do and wanted to do for us. Some of us view the Holy Spirit as an interloper, somebody who's kind of in the way. I have my experience with Jesus. I'm about Jesus. I don't get this Holy Spirit thing. I'm all about Jesus. But guess what? That's not what it's about, because Jesus said the Holy Spirit is crucial. He didn't say to us that we could focus on him only. He's not saying, forget the Father, forget the Holy Spirit, it's all about me. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit is crucial. In 1 Corinthians, we have an example of exactly how crucial. We also get a lesson, actually, on how, to, how we look at ourselves in here as a whole. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 26, or somewhere around there. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given the Spirit, uh, given through the Spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of who? The same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. And it goes on and on and on. And it says that all these are the work of the one and same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as, just like Jesus did about giving life as he determines. Just as the body through one, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit. The interplay is consistent and constant in terms of these interactions. It isn't if the Holy Spirit, then what about? We're all there. Now, if the foot should stay, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be a foot. Same thing with the eyes. If the eye said, I'm not an ear, I'm no good, that, that, no, it, it would still be an eye, and it would be beneficial. If the ear says, well, I can't walk, it's necessary to be able to hear. I thought of dragging somebody up here today and had a bunch of rope and tie them up and give them a bowl of water to carry. Um, I was looking at Jolene, but I, I better not do that because she may not appreciate that. But you can picture it in your mind. Could you imagine for a second Jolene with a bowl of water tied up, hands behind back, and told to get to the end of the sanctuary somehow? It's not going to go very well. And some of you along the way are going to get wet. That's what would happen. Every part is crucial and important to what we're doing. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, Scripture says, 
These parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that are less honorable, okay, we treat with special honor or with special modesty, as the case may be. But if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Have you ever been, how many of you have been in a critical meeting and you had to go? You're in a meeting, you had to go. You had to go. It's kind of hard for me to turn blue, but some of you might have turned a little blue. <laughs> right? You know it won't look good because maybe you're not the top head cheese in that meeting and you're looking to kind of rise to the ranks and this is a very important meeting and you're in it, but you made the mistake of not taking care of some business before you got to the meeting and now you really need to go. And the problem is, if you get up, it's going to look bad. But if you don't get up, it's going to look a little worse in a few minutes, isn't it? So you got to take care of it. Here's the thing. The part of you that you consider your most modest part, the unseen part that nobody really pays any attention to, that's the part that we don't represent to the world, but that's also the part that is controlling every fiber of your being in that particular moment, isn't it? It's just what needs to happen, and it needs to happen right now. Fortunately, I was smart, because before I get up here, I do get myself a little nervous. I, I'm okay for a while. So don't worry, we'll be here for a long time today. It's all good. It's, <laughs> it's the great equalizer. It's also a very necessary function for our bodies to continue to work well, isn't it? People of God, embrace your diversity. God does. He embraces his diversity. It's not about our hands or our feet. It's not about men or women. It's not about young or old. It's not about fast or slow. It's not about whether you're rich or whether you're poor. We're all different, but we all have a purpose ordained by God to do good. In the same way, it's not about the Holy Spirit versus the Father. They're working together to do good things. The reason you and I are being taught about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is an essential part of this relationship that we have with God. The Holy Spirit is essential to our connection with Jesus Christ. Jesus, when he left, said, he will lead you into all truth. Well, who is Jesus? Jesus is full of grace and truth. The Holy Spirit is leading you to Jesus. He equips you. He's essential. You can't have one without the other. And that's not kids in camp, for those of you that are a little older. Don't fight the diversity. Use it to bless each other. Bless the world. God has done it. He empowers us by his spirit to follow the example that Christ has said. He wants us to go forth in the delegated authority of the Father to live Jesus' example and to do it empowered by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't lessen their importance when you talk about the Spirit or when you talk about Jesus or when you talk about God. He's our example of how to live The Holy Spirit isn't over here saying, me, me, me. Don't worry about Jesus, it's all about me. He's over here saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's what he's pointing at. That's what he wants us to think, think about. Now, what does this mean for our life? How do we interact with the Father? How do we interact with Jesus? And how do we interact with each other? Well, we do it by emulating their unity. We celebrate that the arm 
is in fact the body. We celebrate that the eye is part of the body, that the leg is part of the body. The other parts are part of the body. And we appreciate our ability to head to the spiritual washroom once in a while. And the thing is, is the Spirit of God is given to transform us and cleanse us and to clean us and to direct us to Him. The Spirit is doing all these things in our lives. We point to each other and not to ourselves. It's not about you, but it's all about you. And that's because someone else is pointing to you while you're pointing at somebody else. And and that's the way it works. Equality is not about taking. Equality is about giving and receiving. Let that sink in for a moment. God exalted Jesus to the highest place, and Jesus received acknowledgement as Lord. And you'd think that that somehow took away from God, but that's not what happened. What did God get? God got the glory out of it. Because it was all to his glory, wasn't it? That's what God said. We are meant to do this together. Let us are the words that we hear from the Father. If you're somebody who says, I can go alone, I'm good, I don't need anybody, you're not thinking straight, you're not thinking quite the way you should be thinking because that's not strength talking, it's weakness. You are actually missing out. You're lacking insight into the value that somebody else can bring into your life if that's the way that you're thinking. Or maybe you've been so hurt that you can no longer trust that this value is yours to get. You see people and you don't see friends. You don't see people who can hold you up and bear you up and love you and hold you and keep you and feed into your life. You see hurt. Jesus didn't call you to that hurt. He calls you to love. He calls you to hope. The example that we have from the Trinity and even from these bodies that we've been given is that our strength is meant for others and their strength is meant for us, all for God's glory. A God who is all-powerful, who exists in unity, is calling us into that exact same place. He wants us to be a church full of people who are willing to submit their equality, their individual, individuality, and their very life to the idea that we are for one, and we're for each other, and that we're all for him. You are more than just you. You are part of the kingdom And if you're not part of the kingdom yet, you can be part of the kingdom because God would like to call you into this kingdom, into this unity, into this care, into this love, into this oneness that is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All you have to say is, God, I believe it's about Jesus. I want your Holy Spirit. I want to experience the love of the Father. You know what God's response is going to be to that? God's response is going to be, I am doing this for you. He's doing this for me. Because I so love the world, Jesus died for you, and the Spirit is going to be with you through it all to help you, to empower you, to build you, and to make sure that your life's purpose is fulfilled. The song that you're hearing is an amazing song for me because as I was as I was just praying and as I was seeking God and as I was thinking about this message, that song kept playing over and over again. And it summarizes everything in such an amazing way that there is this Father's love that is poured out into this world. His creative ability made us. And he sent his son to redeem us. And his son who saw us and said, wait a second, they're not quite getting it. They're not believing in me. 
but I, I, I've got a way to deal with that. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to come into their hearts, into their souls, into their spirits, and he's going to commune with them, and he's going to knit them together and bring them together. And they're all working together for our good. And all we have to do is say, Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, yes. Just say yes. God can transform your life into something that you've never, ever imagined it could be. Trinity's there, and we've got questions about it. We don't know everything about exactly how God is, but we know what he does. He loves us. He redeems us. He cares for us. He wants to transform us and eventually to bring us home. Amen? Amen. Amen.